Lord, that's what we need this morning. Lord, no, no fluff. I pray just the word of God this morning, Father God. And Lord, I just ask your blessing over it. I ask your anointing and your unction in Jesus' powerful name. We pray, amen and amen. Amen, you may be seated. Awesome time of worship, amen? Some good songs there, I loved them. Uh, real quickly, Revelations chapter 17 will be next door this evening. Uh, no adults, you do not get to participate in Kids Day. That is for our kids, us adults, you will be in class next door. Uh, Revelations chapter 17, we're going to pick back up where we left off at verse 8 and try to make our way to the end of that chapter. Um, another interesting night tonight, I believe it's going to be. We're in some tough chapters, but I, I feel like the Lord's been good to us, and I feel like all of us are at least taking something away every time we, we meet on our Sunday evening Bible study. It's um, been very interesting and enjoyable for all of us, so I pray you make yourself a part of that. Um, I'm going to get to the Word um, immediately and try to get through all this. And I, I pray this morning you understand my heart. Um, th this one comes from my heart this morning. Uh, a lot of times messages or sermons can come from different places. And this one is, uh, I do pray that God removes all of, of, of me out of this. But to share this this morning, I kind of have to tell you some of the ways that I have been feeling. Now the pulpit's not meant for uh, pontificating or for me to come and give my opinion, and that's not what I'm going to do this morning. But I, I feel that if I, I share some of the way that I have been feeling and my wife and I have been feeling, I, I feel that it'll match with a lot of the way that some of you are feeling. Um, so with having said that, let's, let's jump into it real quick. Ha have any of you ever gone through a time in your life where you've really genuinely felt discouraged? Have you ever, I'm sure most of us have. Uh, if you're not there now, you have in times past or you will be in the future. Most all of us, I might even go as far as say, all of us have at some time in our lives battled discouragement, depression, or anxiety. And a lot of those things can come from this. Have you ever looked at? Recently, has anyone in here ever kind of looked around at the society that we live in and looked around at the things that are going on and, and it kind of unnerves you? And, and have you ever looked around and thought, things aren't going so well? They're not going so well in this nation. If you look around at our political climate, it's not going so well. If you look around at our economic climate, it's not going so well. If you look around at our, our social climate, it's not going so well. Things aren't looking so great. It, it, what I mean is if, if you take your Bible and you know your Bible at all and you read it and you put that in you and, and you use biblical wisdom to discern the times that we're living in, it does not lead one to conclude that everything is great, does it? If you have any biblical knowledge or wisdom, and, and we're even studying Revelations next door, and, and you have some of those end times things inside of you in your heart, and you use the Bible to discern the signs of the times, the things that are going on around us, it does not lead you to conclude everything is just great. It is all hunky-dory. Can I get an amen for that this morning? We, we are in a place, listen to me now, 
we are in a place where we can very easily become unnerved, especially us believers, us evangelical Christians. When we look around at the world around us, the things that are going on, the, the climate that we live in, the, the social construct all around us, everything crumbling, all morals fading and falling away, any little bit of godliness is being cast off. When us Christians look all around, it can kind of cause us to be a little unnerved, can't it? That is how I have been feeling lately. My wife and I just question what kind of world, what kind of nation are we handing to our children? And I think that of lots of you, what are we handing to this next generation? I, I, I don't see it being good. I'm not trying to cause fear or anxiousness in any of you. I'm not. But I look all around at what is going on currently right now. I can't make any good out of it. Now, people might say, yeah, but brother, you got to remember God's in control. You know, things are going according to God's plan. I agree to that. I make no bones about that. I agree God is in control. But that's precisely the problem, that God is in control. You see, sometimes his plan doesn't match my plan. Amen? How many times has that happened in our lives? His plan doesn't align with our plan. My plan, I'll tell you my plan. My plan for my life is for me to be prosperous as I can and healthy as I can. My family prosperous and healthy. My church family prosperous and healthy. This church, New Hope, prosper and flourish here in this community. Everything to grow, everything to be good. And then maybe at a ripe old age we can all pass away and go on to glory and live forevermore with the Lord. That's my plan. But something deep inside of me says that that may not exactly match with God's plan. Especially if you read the book of Revelations like we're going through, there could be some crazy things coming on. I'm just not entirely sure that that's the Lord's plan. Brothers and sisters, I try to be responsible with the job that I have as a pastor. So part of those responsibilities, I, I try to devour my word and read a lot of the word, read a lot of Christian literature and books and, and educate myself if I will. That, those are my responsibilities I try to pray and pray for the church and pray for you and the community and all those things. I, I try to put godly things into me. But if I, if I look up for just one minute from my studies, it is alarming to me at what is going on in this nation. It, it causes me alarm. It's like an alarm going off inside of me saying, this isn't going in a good direction. This doesn't lead to a good and a flourishing society. It does not. We're not handing our kids a good nation. We, we have created an entire generation that does not believe in anything absolute anymore. Now, we've instituted this in our education system long ago so that now these younger generations are now adults, young adults, and none of them believe in anything solid None of them believe in any type of truth. Or, or they, if they do believe in truth, it, there's multiple truths, which is not even logical. They, they don't believe in any type of absolute right. They don't believe in any type of absolute wrong. They don't believe in any type of absolute moral grounding. Everything is relative. Everything is subjective to them. 
There is no solid foundation to the people in this nation anymore. There's no bedrock. There's no building blocks. There's no foundation to any of it anymore. Ask yourself what happens to a culture. Ask what happens to a nation that no longer has those building blocks. That, that's the stuff that starts to unnerve me a little bit. When I just take a quick peek up from my studies of the word and I see what's going on, you catch a little blip on the news or a little something from YouTube or something and you're like, man, th this is not good. This is not good. We have redefined or done away with every social construct that held the fabric of our society together. We've said, hmm... No, those things aren't what we thought they were. Or we've said, no, um, God might say that's what they are, but this is what they are. Or we've said that they don't even exist at all. We, we have done this to the family unit. We, we've said that the family unit's not that important anymore. doesn't matter if there's a father present. doesn't matter if the, the mom can play the father's role. It cannot. It cannot. The father plays the father's role in the home. And we have done away that the, the family unit has been destroyed in this nation. Gender, we've destroyed gender. We've redefined it. We've redefined sexuality. God said it is between a man and a wife in the bonds of marriage. And we've said, nope, it's who with anyone that's willing to have at it, have at it. That's what sexuality is. Th these things are the bedrocks of our society. They're what's undergirding this whole society. Family unit, gender, sexuality, marriage, fatherhood, truth. We've said no to all of them. We've redefined them or we've said they don't even exist, exist at all. The, those are the building blocks. The, the man's role in the house. The wother, woman's role in the house. We, we've abdicated those. But what we fail to realize is God instituted all of those things. They're God's constructs. Those, because God instituted them, instituted them, they are the foundational building blocks of our society. They form the basis of a nation. They form the basis of a society that can flourish. And when you take them away, you're pulling the rug out from underneath of the whole system and it has nothing to do but fall and collapse. When you... Do away with the basic building blocks of a society. They're built on Christian principles. People might argue that, but it's because they argue it out of, out of ignorance. They don't even understand that the family unit is a Christian, godly principle. Sexuality is a Christian, godly principle. Gender. God constructed all those things. They're his. And when mankind comes along and says, nope, it's, you're taking the foundation out from underneath of it. And I feel that right now our foundation's been pulled out and we're hanging there for a little while. But what happens over time? When you do away with those basic building blocks, it crumbles. That, that is what is alarming me. It's making me worry. Making me worry currently and even for the future. When a, when a nation says, move God, we can do better. That, that is what our nation is doing. You understand? That's what humanity is doing right now. It is saying, wait a minute, we don't need God or anything about God in order for us to flourish. 
In order for mankind to move forward, if we could just push God off to the side, all these ancient these and thou shalt not, if we move those things, we can move forward. Brothers, this is, that, that worries me. Listen to me now. And I don't mean to be funny, but I'm not cut out for a world where there's hundreds of genders. I ain't cut out for it. The, the funny thing is, I'm not bragging, but I have been 100% correct in assuming people's gender all of my life upon seeing the person or even many times just hearing them. I have never been wrong. Never. If someone comes and talks to me, I am fully capable to say, that is a woman, that is a female, or that is a man. I've never had a situation where I've said, okay, thank you, sir, and a buddy had to come up and go, hey, that, that was a she, not a him. That's never happened to me. I, I've always been right. But, but now we have a society that comes and says, eh, you can't do that anymore. You can't do You can't assume that anymore. That's not right. Don't think that you know. To me... That is a sign that the wheels have fell off of our nation. The wheel come off somewhere and we're spinning out of control. When society says you must use the correct pronouns, hers, hers or she, for a biological man, I'm not cut out for it. I ain't cut out for that. In good conscience, I can't do it. I can't do it. Amen. Genesis makes it nice and simple for someone like me. God created them male and female. Yep. That's good enough for me. Amen. That's God's construct. I'll abide by it. Male or female. That's it. Have any of you seen, I hope that some of you have seen this. I know some of you have. I've talked to you. Have any of you seen, and, and this has a point, okay? And it's not just a gripe session. Hear me out. Have any of you seen some of the recent language that the government uses in some of the legislation that they write? There, there was recently a piece of legislation, and if you question me on this, you can go look it up, that they use the term birthing person instead of mother. You heard that? Birthing person is now, had taken the place. They are not referring to women that give birth as moms or mothers. You shouldn't assume in the first place that you know their gender, and also to call someone a mom or a mother is now offensive somehow. Brothers and sisters, I can't do it. I can't do it. In grade school, my mom was known as Mrs. D. She was my class, the, the favorite homeroom mother. Anyone remember those days that there was a, something called a homeroom mother? All of my buddies loved my mom. Oh, it's Mrs. D because my mom would make special little snacks and cupcakes and so on and so forth for whatever little thing our class was having. Everyone loved my mom, Mrs. D, the favorite homeroom mother. I can't, in good conscience, call her a homeroom birthing person. I can't do it. I can't, I'm not cut out for a world like that. My conscience won't allow it. Has anyone heard of CRT? Throw your hands up. 
called critical race theory that is being taught to our children in our school systems, in our institutions. It is the idea or the belief that America, all of America, is inherently racist and evil. All of our history, all of our economic infrastructure, all of our political system, all hierarchies, all of it is evil, all of it is no good, it's never been good, all of it's complete garbage, it's all bad and it's no good, it should be cast aside, everything that we've ever had is bad in this nation, it's inherently evil and we should all be ashamed of it. That is what we are teaching. That is the, the message we're purveying in this land. It is. Look it up if you doubt me. Look it up. It's all through it. It's extended all through this land. It's not coming. It's here. It's on our doorstep. Now, while I will agree that there are some things in our nation that we could be ashamed of and we should be ashamed of, there are some things in our nation that aren't so great even currently. But brothers and sisters, let me know when you find a perfect nation. I'll move there with you. I'll move. Me and my family will go with you when you find a perfect one with all perfect history. It's never done anything wrong. On that note, I'll say the same thing for the perfect church. You know, if you're searching for the perfect church and new hope is horrible and you're going to go find a more perfect church, let me know. I'll come there with you too. I'll come to the perfect church with you. Let me know when you find it. I'm not trying to depress anyone. I know that you're probably thinking, well, you ain't really leading me anywhere else. <laughs> but, but bear with me and allow me to make my point, okay? Bear with me. Did anyone see recently? I just saw this a couple days ago. The key to New York City pass. Anyone see that? You must now have papers in New York City to allow dining, fitness, any type of fitness activity, and any type of entertainment, you must now have vaccination papers. You must have them and prove them to conduct yourself as a normal citizen in New York. They're going to begin enforcing it mid-September or something like that. You must have your papers. But pardon me, but I think I've heard this somewhere before. Was it, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the Nazis that required papers of certain people in a little event called the Holocaust? I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that that little event called the Holocaust led to the death of six million people, didn't it? I think we've done this before. You're required to have papers. Brothers and sisters, do you, do you understand now why I told, I'm telling you I'm a little unnerved? I'm a little anxious. I know the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but it's easier said than done, amen? When you, when you look up and you look at what's going on, and these are factual things going on in our nation. They're, they're going on. If you doubt me, look them up yourself. Fact check me or whatever you want to do. You'll see these things are true. They're going on. Here's the, the thing that scares me about it all is if you don't align yourself with their views, then you become the enemy. That's what we're, if you don't agree with their way of thinking, if you don't agree with their redefining, 
all these social constructs, if you don't agree that there's a new way to look at marriage, there's a new way to look at sexuality and gender, if you don't agree with them, then you have stood out as the enemy. If you don't totally comply, total compliance to whatever we say, if you don't comply, then you are in effect making yourself a target. You're making yourself the enemy. I'm not very tough. I don't go around picking fights, church. I don't want to fight. I don't, I'm not picking fights with anyone. I'm not trying to stand out as an enemy. All I'm trying to say is I believe this. But just by saying I believe this, I believe in what God instituted, that they are saying, well, then you are now the enemy in this society, and we need to somehow move you out of the way so that we can move forward. That, that's the part that kind of scares me a little bit. We want total compliance, do everything we say unquestioningly, or you have now become the enemy. You, you Christian, you have archaic beliefs. You believe in an old system of an old book of a God that's long gone. You are becoming the enemy. You, my friend, are a resistor. You're resisting. You have, you have become the one that society needs to get rid of in order to move forward. Christians are being made into the enemy. They are being turned into the enemy. We're the ones, we're the ones saying that God made marriage. We aren't allowed to redefine it. He made it. And sexuality, the family unit. We're the ones saying, wait a minute, you you can't change those. God said, "If, if you make that stance, you're going to stick out as the enemy. Now, I'm just being honest with you this morning that all this has been making me a little nervous. Like my dad always says, I'm no John Wayne. I'm I'm no John Wayne either. I know John Wayne was tough and could shoot anybody and blow up any enemy or do whatever. That's not me. I got to ask God for courage. I got to beg him for courage. All this stuff has been weighing on me. Weighing on my wife. And, I, and I'm not telling you I need a hug after church or you got to give me a letter of encouragement. I'm not asking for that, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying somewhere in the back of my mind, these things are just creeping up on me. And I know that some of you feel it too. I know it. I see it in your faces. Even if you don't say it to me, I see it in your faces. And many of you I do talk with, you feel the same way that I feel this morning. When I look at all these things happening around me, it's a little unnerving. It, I feel like it's like the walls are, are enclosing around me. And I don't have too many paths to escape to. Like the walls are just falling in all around me. My prayer to God, I, I may have preached this before, I can't remember, but my prayer to God is, I still pray the same one many a times. And it's something like this. I, I tell God, Lord, I, I try to reason with them, Lord. Lord, do you understand that I feel like Lord, we're all, we're all on the Titanic. The, the wheat in the tares, the God haters and the God lovers, the blasphemers and those that love his name, the, the people that are saved and born again, the, the people that deny Christ. We're all on the Titanic together and it struck an iceberg and it's taking on water. And this is my prayer to God. I'm like, Lord, um, Lord, do you see that uh, we're taking on water down here? Lord, they're, they're tearing everything down that you've built. 
Lord, they're taking the foundations away, and Lord, I'm, part, I'm built on this foundation. Lord, Lord, do you see this going on? Um, God, some of my rooms are starting to flood with all this ungodliness. Lord, do you hear me? Lord, my family lives here. Lord, my church family lives here. Lord, my friends, my neighbors, they're down here too. Lord, it's taking on water. It's going to go down. Where are you? Don't you see this? And I, I pray to him. I say, God, the, the, the God-hating blasphemers live on the Titanic too. But Lord, is it my lot in life to go down with them, Lord? Is that my lot in life? Lord, I, I preach the word. I, I try to honor you with my decisions. My wife and I, we do. We're not shining examples of it, but we try. Lord, has it all been for naught? Am I just going to sink with all those God-haters? That's what I, I pray to God. Has it all been for naught? Evil is so rampant that it's destroying everything. Everything. It's going to ruin everything. All of our commerce, economy, political system, judicial system, it's all going to be ruined when you let evil run rampant. Is it my lot in life, God, to go down with them? Well, now that I've got you nice and discouraged, which I wasn't trying to, you might be thinking, boy, you ain't even read anything from the Bible yet. Man, maybe that's part of the problem. When you don't read any of the Bible, you start getting discouraged. Amen? We'll get to it. Whenever I talk to someone, you know, that says some of that, that's battling anxiety or depression, stuff like that, whenever I talk to someone, I always steer them to the book of Psalms. Always. So I can't be a hypocrite so that when I'm feeling this way, maybe I ought to follow my own advice and turn to the book of Psalms. Psalms is a great book that will help you battle inner struggles. And this has been an inner struggle for me, for my wife, for many of you, and Psalms will help you battle that. I found, well, maybe I could even say God gave me a Psalm that is helped me. It has helped dig me up out of this pit of despair, of, of nervousness and anxiety. It, it picks me up out of that and sets me on a foundation. It captures, this psalms that we're about to read, captures everything that I feel, everything, leaves nothing out. I've read it so many times in the last couple weeks. I've read it in different translations. The NIV the New King James, the King James, I've looked them all up, look, read it all in different translations so I can understand it on a greater level. And it's a psalm by a man named Asaph. Now Asaph is mentioned a few times in the Old Testament. He was employed by King David and he, he obviously must have had some type of musical ability of some type. He wrote several psalms. If you read through the book of Psalms, you'll see several of them by Asaph. And this one, when I read it, I knew it was from God to me for this particular time. Psalm chapter 73, verse 1. I'm going to read just a little bit to you. And everything that I said this morning, keep that in the back of your mind. All the unnerving things, all the undoing of our society, all the godlessness, all the iniquity running rampant in our land. Keep that in the back of your mind as we read this 
and see if this psalm relates to you. See if it reverberates with you in the way you've been feeling lately. Psalm chapter 73, verse 1, it's a psalm of Asaph. It says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of our clean heart. Listen to Asaph, he says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there is no bands in their death, it means they have no death pangs, but their strength is firm. Asaph goes on to say, they're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasses about them as a chain, violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. He's talking about the ungodly, the God-hating blasphemers, the baby killers. He's talking about all these people. He says they are corrupt in verse 8. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. He says in verse 11, and they say, how does God know? And is there any knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly, Asaph says, who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. He goes on to say, verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Then verse 16, Asaph concludes, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Do you see Asaph feels the same way that I feel this morning. Asaph feels the same way that many of you feel this morning. He's looking at the ungodly going, Lord, what's going on here? All of them, they hate you. They can't stand you. They're undoing everything. They're throwing your word in the trash, ignoring it all, and they're prospering. They're boastful about it. They're gaining more and more. They don't have the troubles that the godly people have. Lord, they're arrogant. They're proud. Lord, what is going on here? They're prospering in the world. They increase in riches. Do you see here Asaph? He's lamenting the fact that evil has surrounded him. He's looking all around him. He said, Lord, there's evil everywhere and they're doing good. We're doing bad. Evil people are prospering. They're blaspheming God. They mock God. They're mocking you with questions and saying, can God even see this? What does God even know? They're mocking, yet they increase in riches, Asaph says. Asaph, it even leads him, and this is what reverberates with me. Asaph finally wonders if he has cleansed his heart in vain. In verse 13, if you look back, he says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. What, what he's doing is he's going, Lord, have I served you for all for naught? Is it all been in vain? Asaph saying, Lord, I, I hold to your word. I believe in your word. Lord, how can this be that they're all doing so good? How can they be the ones prospering? They're the ones increasing. Lord, have I served you for naught? Has it all been in vain? I've been trying to follow your word, obey your word. I've been trying to implement that at my church, implement that into my children, in my family, in my marriage. Has it all been for naught, Asaph says. Brothers and sisters, he's wondering if he's wasted his life trying to walk in the fear of the Lord. Have all of his godly decisions been in vain? I mean, look at who's winning. Look around you, church. Look at the wicked. They prosper. 
They blaspheme God and they continue to increase in riches. They're having a good old time. Brothers and sisters, look all around you. Can any one of us deny it? They control entertainment, the whole industry. They control our economy. The godless control education. Look what they've done to education. They control politics. They control academia, higher learning. They control sports. They control the media. Every powerful entity, the ungodly control it. They own it. And Asaph says, have I cleansed my heart in vain? Lord, I thought your way was the right way. They've taken over everything, everything. Then Asaph concludes with this. He says, when I thought to know this in verse 16, it was too painful for me. What he's saying is, he's saying, Lord, I'm trying to figure this out down here. How did this happen? How'd they take over everything? How, did, how is it that the ungodly are doing so good? They control everything, God. Everything. Every aspect of our culture and society. They control it. How did this happen? He's trying to make sense of it. And he's saying, I can't even think of it. It's too painful for me. What he's saying is, God, I can't get clarity. It's all fuzzy. I can't see clearly. Asaph is trying to wrap his head around all this and he can't. The grief is too much. The vexation is too much. These thoughts cause him too much pain, he says. It's too much for me. I'm not cut out for this. I can't do it. He's almost just saying, I, I can't think about this. I can't. Many times that's how I am. I can't watch the news. I can't. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's too much. It's too painful. Now, I don't know if any of you feel like this, but I'm going to take a leap of faith and say that many of you feel this way. You see it. Even many ungodly, unsaved people see it, and they're getting a little unnerved. I've gotten texts recently from people I haven't seen in years asking me biblical questions. Why is that? Because they see something, something's wrong, something, something ain't going right. I've spoken with many of you. I know many of you feel this way. I feel just like Asaph. I, brothers and sisters, I'm not cut out for a clown world. It's upside down world. That's what we look, and I'm not cut out for. I don't fit in here. I don't. I believe in two genders, male and female, and I, I just clearly must not fit in here anymore because that's all that I can believe in. That's it for me. I believe in a man and a wife. Amen. I know you see it, don't you? You see it. You, you feel it. You see the cancer of wokeism, don't you? You see what it causes. You see what it destroys. It's destroyed our Olympics. I haven't watched one blip of the Olympics because I don't want to see all the goofy protesting, the kneeling. I don't want to see it. I don't want any part of it. No, thank you. Why can't we just turn it on and watch athletic ability, watch athletic talent? It's destroyed sports. You, you see the division, don't you? It's divided. Everything causes division. You feel the corruption, don't you? You feel it deep in your soul. You see the godlessness. You see the, the manure that cancel culture is, don't you? It's, it's overwhelming. It's frustrating. It's unnerving. That's too painful for me. It's too, too much. 
too much. Then, then Asaph continues, and this, this is the good part. Church is never a place to come to get beat down. It's, it's where you come and you get built up in God. Asaph continues now with, with all this oppression and all this vexation in him, all this weighing him down. He's looking around. He's seeing all the ungodliness prospering. And he's saying, I can't figure this. I can't get clarity. Lord, I can't. Look at verse 17. All this until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Brothers and sisters, Asaph says all these things were frustrating him. All these things were vexing him. They were consuming him. They were overwhelming him. He couldn't get clarity of mind. He couldn't figure them out. He was very frustrated until he went into the sanctuary of God. He's saying he was drowning in his thoughts. He was drowning in his hand was the only thing sticking up from all of his thoughts overwhelming him until he got into the presence of God. And when he came into the presence of God, then he found solace. Then he found clarity of mind. When he got into God's presence, he was able to gain the correct perspective. Being in the presence of God readjusted his focus. God took his head and went, nope, not over there, right here. And he corrected him. He refocused him. He says, no, Asaph, you look right here on these things. Well, how did he do this? By getting in the presence of God. Being in the sanctuary of God even helped Asaph not only to get clarity, but also to receive revelation in his situation. He not only gets clarity, then Asaph goes, now I understand. Now I get it, God. Now I see their end. Listen to verse 30, chapter 73, verse 18. This is when clarity comes to him. This is after he gets in God's presence. He begins to understand. And Asaph says, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. He's back to the ungodly again. Thou cast them down into destruction. How they are brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one wakes. So, O Lord, when thou awakes, thou shalt despise their image. He, he goes into the sanctuary of the Lord and he gets clarity and God shows him and reveals things to him. And when he finally gains this clarity, he sees God shows him what's going to happen to all those evil people. To all the evil, the blasphemers, the wickedness will be destroyed in but a moment. Meaning those giant entities that control everything that we know. Those giant industries, those giant companies that have all the money and the power that can control the flow of information, they're gonna be brought to desolation in a moment, meaning they're gonna be one, in one moment, they're gonna be powerful and rich and wealthy, and in the next moment, they're gonna be desolated by the power of God, as in a moment. Now hear me. I'm not saying to take solace in the fact that God is going to destroy people, to destroy the wicked. We don't celebrate the fact that God is going to judge people. I'm not saying to take solace in that. 
That's never something to say. Hooray, God's going to destroy those wicked people. I hope they burn. And we can easily get like that, can't we? We can easily pit us against them. They're people too. All these big industries, they're people that need saved. I'm not saying take solace into the fact this morning that God is going to destroy them. God is just showing Asaph what is going to happen if these people continue to reject God's mercy. God has extended his mercy towards them. And if they reject it, they will be brought to desolation and utterly consumed. Make no mistake, church. God is going to completely destroy the divisive media. Destroy it. God is going to eviscerate the arrogant in sports. It's going to be destroyed. God is going to make desolate these godless, God-hating cities in our nation. So after God shows these things to Asaph and, and kind of clear his mind up, he shows Asaph what's going to happen to the wicked that he's so worried about, he's so fixated on, Asaph gets a little embarrassed before the Lord. You know, we, we go to our prayers with God and we try to reason with him and we say, Lord, um, do, do you not see, Lord, we're all on the Titanic down here? Um, Lord, I could use some help here. Lord, I could use some encouragement. And we, we try to speak knowledge against God. When God truly reveals things to us, we have no place but to be kind of embarrassed because everything is in his control. Everything's going just according to his plan. Asaph gets a little embarrassed. And he says this. I'm not going to ask the band to make their way back, but please follow along with me just a little longer. We're in verse 21 now. He says, thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins, meaning he was pricked in his spirit. He was pricked in his mind and his conscience. He says, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before you, God. You see, he's, he's embarrassed here. He's a little embarrassed for, for questioning God. He's embarrassed for being focused on the wrong thing. And God corrects him and he's like, I'm, so, I'm, like, I'm dumb as an animal in front of you, God. I was ignorant, I was a fool. Verse 23, he says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. Asaph says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He says, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me, Asaph says, to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works do, do you see here how Asaph comes back full circle brothers and sisters listen now I know that things aren't looking so good around us are they they're not there's not much argument we can make we can't deceive ourselves and say oh it's all fine everything's all good it's not there's, there's no possible way to look at the state of our society and just say everything is just great however I hope you can see through Psalm 73 how God can refocus you and, and, and focus your attention on what you need to see, what he wants you to see. Here's my, here's my final thought that, that, that what I, I take from Psalm 73 
And this is what helps me. This is what encourages me and gives me strength for me, my family, my, my church family, for us. This is what it gives me encouragement. This is what I take from Psalm 73, the Psalm that Asaph wrote, you know, where he's worried about this ungodliness. He goes to God, God shows him their end. Asaph humbles himself and worships God. You know what a message I take from all that? I take this message. You're on the winning team. That's what I hear God saying, Jason, I know it doesn't look good. I know wickedness is prospering. I know that all this goofy stuff is vexing and it can be a load. I know it. But I think God would remind us this morning, if you're born again, if you have Christ Jesus in your heart, you've humbled yourself to him, you've confessed on him, you believe on him in, in your heart, and you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, if you have done that, you are one of his, and despite, irregardless of the circumstances around us, you're on the winning team. You're on the winning team. You're on the team that ultimately wins, amen? Let's stand this morning. Brothers and sisters, we may lose some battles. We may. I think that the road from here on out, I've preached this before, it's gonna be a bumpy road. It's going to be a bumpy ride. There's going to be some cuts and some scrapes and some bruises. There are. There's going to be some unfortunate things that happen to us. We just dealt with one last week with one of our people getting into a car crash. It's horrible to see those things. I hate to see those things happen to even my worst enemy. But we live in a fallen world, amen? It's a fallen world. I think God would say, don't focus on all that evil stuff. Focus on this. You're on the winning team. Amen.
consider the things that were said this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we love you this morning. And Lord, we just love your word. And Lord, we stick to it. Lord, it does indeed make us the enemy. It makes us the enemy, Lord God. But Lord, I'd rather be considered the enemy here on this side of eternity than your enemy on the other side of eternity. Father God, protect us. Lord, the Bible tells us outright in the last days, perilous times shall come. In other words, dangerous times and they're upon us, Lord. We're living in a dangerous time. Lord, I just pray that you give us grace enough, Father God, to make it through the days that lie ahead. Lord, we love you and I pray that this word finds its way into each and every person's heart, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.